What's up, everybody? Welcome to this newest episode of Vulnerability is the New Sex. When I started this podcast, it was my goal to tell stories and listen to stories that gave people an opportunity to hear and understand and especially validate a different person's reality. What are you or I going through that someone who next to me might not understand? And for me, this episode gave me an opportunity to sit down with two people who are very important to me and understand deeper what their reality is or what it has been for their entire lives. This gave me an opportunity to validate the things and experiences and the stressors that are unique to them. And I hope that everybody that listens to this episode takes an opportunity to learn something uh, as opposed to try to compare or measure. Because we are all rooted in different struggles at times. And just because your struggle is different from mine, doesn't make it greater and it doesn't make it lesser and it's time to start validating validate the reality of the person next to you so I want you to listen I want you to take this in I want you to understand what microaggressions are what fetishizing is how dehumanizing it can be want you to listen I just want you to listen so with that being said here's the latest episode of vulnerabilities and new sexy I hope you enjoy when I'm thinking about this I want to I want to start with some of the questions that maybe irritate y'all or that you hear and you're like you like you're, you're like for instance what are you mixed with? Is that something that you, yeah. hear, that you hear a lot? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you get that question, and let me start with, when you get that question, what is your feeling? What is your reaction? Um, I think mostly, like, it happened more or less in middle school, but, like, it's kind of, like, insulting, not in the sense, because I feel like people mostly ask not to understand, but to, like, make me feel indifferent. Because, like, a lot of times it's, like, so are you like Indian or like Puerto Rican or like Mexican? Like, I can't tell what you are. Like, tell me what you are. But it's like, it comes off in like a disrespectful sense rather than like you wanting to like actually know like what I am. And it depends on how the person asks it, ask it. But then usually like when I explain like, oh, like I'm just mixed with black and white. My mom is black and my dad's white. I hate to say it because there's so many questions that follow underneath it because the stereotypical is like a white mother and a black father. So I don't know. It's kind of like uncomfortable for me. So you would rather not even have the question asked. Yeah. Because the follow-up questions are even more Yeah, the follow-up questions triggering. are intense. <laughs> yeah. And you think or you feel as though when somebody finds out that it's not what I guess people consider the stereotypical black and white relationship where it's usually yeah. the black man and the white woman, you have the white father and the black mother. Yeah. Then it's 
Like, what kind of questions do you get? Typically? Well, like, the first thing is, it's like, so do you live with your dad? Because, you know, it's this whole thing, like, stigma that block, black fathers, like, leave their children and they're not really, like, present. And I'm like, no, like, I live with my mom. My dad lives in a different state. Like, you know, and then there's, like, a whole bunch of other. So, like, do you look, like, more like your dad or your mom? Or, like, it's just, like, I don't know. It makes me uncomfortable sometimes. But wow. You've really asked that? Yeah. It's, I don't know, it's kind of more like they're trying to figure out, like, why I look the way that I do, other than, like, being sensitive to, like, yeah, she looks different, or, like, I can't tell what race she is, but, like, let me ask this in, like, a respectful manner, because I, like, want to learn something, so. Yeah. Phoenix, when you get that question. It really just depends on intention, like you said, because yeah. some people do come at it from, like, a, well, I want to know, like, I can't tell. Yeah. But some people genuinely just don't know, like, they don't understand, they just, like, they're perplexed or thinking about it. It mainly happens at work, honestly, like, customers, coworkers, because majority of my coworkers think I'm Hispanic, so a lot of them will come to me, like, speaking Spanish, mm. and I have to, like, apologize and be like, I'm sorry, I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, I don't speak Spanish, I'm sorry. And they're like, oh, well, then, like, what are you if you're not Hispanic? So then that's kind of like, okay, like, yeah. I don't really mind it. It's just like, oh, like, they assumed. And then I tell them, and they're like, oh, okay, like, that makes sense. Like, why well, you don't know Spanish? And I'm like, yeah. But <clears throat> other than that, it's really just intention. And, but there are follow-up questions. But I didn't know that you had, like, those type of follow-up questions. Because yeah. when I tell people that I'm black and white, I automatically just say, like, because they're going to ask anyways, like, oh, well, which one's black and which one's white? So kind of now I just, like, say, my dad's black, mom's white. People actually ask you which one's black and which one's white. They don't just yeah. assume that your dad yeah, is black. People ask all the time. And they do ask, like, which one do you look like? Yeah. And I'm like, I look like my dad. Like, that's, I look like, I, th- I say I look like both because I do look like both. So, but they do ask that. There are follow-up questions. Yeah. So you will go deeper than others, depending on if they're interested. Because some people do ask, like, genuine interested questions. Like, oh, how was that growing up? It really just depends on the person. Because some people ask, and it's like, you don't really care. Like, you just want, like, an insight. I agree. But some people are, like, actually interested and do want to learn. That's yeah. the thing. When you both, you know, you're on this journey to, like, identify, you know, like, monoracial people, you, you, you're black, you're white, you're, you know, Hispanic or whatever, and that's what you are. When did you start? Like, what age do you think you really start realizing, okay, my journey to identify myself and my race is a little different than my counterparts. I want to say maybe like 11 or 12. Um, It kind of mostly started with my hair, but whatever age is like sixth grade, probably because like I, that's when I started to notice like, hey, I like kind of look different from everybody else. And then like, I went to schools that were mostly like predominantly like white and my friends were predominantly white. Like I didn't have like more like people of color as friends. And um, like in middle school, I would like try and change my appearance by like either straightening my hair or like, you know, wearing what everybody else was wearing, like normal kids do when you're in middle school. Mm-hmm. But I just kind of became like self-conscious of like my hair is big and everybody else's hair is like straight and like after we go to um PE or like practice or whatever like their hair is like even though it's sweaty like their hair is down and my hair is like huge and like you know like yeah so it's like I think from a really I guess you would say early age because you shouldn't be like really worried about that stuff whenever you're younger but like I just kind of became like almost self-conscious of like like my 
I'm identifying like really early like that I'm different from everybody else and I didn't like it. Like I rejected it for a lot of years. So what's your experience? Um, I never really thought about it honestly because I always had my cousins and they're like me. They're mixed like me. So I kind of just figured we were in our own like bubble and you know, like you know, black was over here and then I maybe I figured that we would like our own separate like group of people rather than supposing to be like, oh I have to pick one. But did like when I did grow up, I did not know like of like race or anything. Like I didn't get it. And like people, I remember like little kids would ask me questions to be like, "What do your parents look like?" Or like, "What are you?" And I would just like literally look at them like, "What are you talking about?" Like I have no clue like what you're asking me. But yeah. So it never it never presented itself as even early on. Uh, different groups of kids and that you were hanging around with trying to get you to identify as, you know, one race over another, or uh, it just, it was always kind of, you know. Well, everyone either thought I was Hispanic or they just didn't, they just didn't answer the question. That was, that was it when I was younger. They just assumed that I was Hispanic. And then if they didn't know, they, I mean, when we were little, like some kids know like stuff like that, but majority of us didn't. But I meant like, you know, looking at my parents, I never felt like I had to, like, pick one. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I didn't really, like, side with one or the other. I kind of just, like, I never even, like, noticed. I mean, I knew, like, their skin tones were different, but it never, like, came across to me, like, oh, like, they're different races or, like, you know, like, they never explained that to me. And, like, I learned, like, through, like, you know, as I got older through, like, social media, like, oh, like, you know, like, I'm biracial. Like, I mean, obviously, like, you know, you kind of know, but to get down to, I kind of pretty much learned when I got social media and stuff like that. So when you are growing up and people are trying to, I mean, like certain things come up and even in education, like racial issues come up, right? You guys are uniquely, you know, uh, black and white, you know, other people are going to have different experiences, but that color line gets drawn in this country so often and i'd imagine and you can tell me if i'm right or wrong that it gets uncomfortable for you know someone who is of both races when there's conflict or open conflict amongst the races what do you what's your feelings or experience with that like in education education or in the streets or wherever you know I mean, just, I mean, it's, it's, it's all over the place. It's in media, yeah. you know, it's, it's everywhere. Um, I don't know. I feel like a lot of stuff like ties back to like, like, or like my feelings or like stuff that happened early on ties back to middle school for me. Because like when I was in this huge conflict, like of identifying like what I was as a race, like, it's not really like a conversation that my parents had with me either because it's like, you know, one's one race, one's another race. No one lives together. So it wasn't like a, open discussion that was had for me but I mean it was kind of like like I would mix up my friends like however like it didn't really race wasn't like an issue for me but like between other people like specific groups either if I was hanging out with my uh, like black people or white people like they would like always kind of it was like a I don't know like there was like an obvious like barrier between the two but it wasn't like oh we're gonna be racist in middle school type thing it was like a like, oh, so, like, do you, like, like, you're just not really, like, the the girls that come from that group. So, like, why do you act, like, do you act, like, different around us? Like, I don't know how to explain Which it. group would, would, would you be in? It was, 
it was both groups. Well, I don't think I would be in a set either group, mm -hmm. but like I hung out with people from that were black and white. And then like just a few people from each group, not the people that I would even hang out with sometimes would just be like, you know, like you're just always with like the white girls. So like, we just kind of assumed that you were like gonna be all like preppy and stuff and like just big stigmas that are there for each race. And then similar to like black girls, like they would be like, well, you just, you just don't really like look like them. And like, we just assumed that you were like kind of come over here and like kind of be like all loud and like rude to us and stuff like that. But you're really not like, you're different. Like it was just, like stuff that was set so like microaggressions yeah but stuff. but they didn't i feel like you didn't even really realize it or like i wouldn't realize it i would just kind of be like offended and be like oh like no like i know i'm just me and i, I want to be like friends with you you guys too but like i feel like they weren't you know pushing for microaggressions early on it's just probably something that was you know like open in their households that they just came out and said it because everybody was like 12 and 13 so i don't think it was like forcefully but it was just so they saying like you're kind of black. Yeah, so you're kind of like, black, but not blackity black. Yeah, you're kind of white. You're kind of black. Like, yeah. which group do you fit into? Type thing. Yeah. Not in your head. You experience the same thing. Yeah, in middle school, everyone was pretty much divided by like race. Like everyone was in like race groups. At least that's how it looked for me. And you know, like you know, the black group of kids. You know, they would like you know invite me to stuff. Like you know, I could tell if they wanted me to like, be their friend, and I, I had no problem like wanting to be their friend. But, like, if I were to hang out with them, they'd be like, oh, well, why don't you like, dress the same as us? Or why don't you, you know, like, do stereotypical, like, black things or, like, you know, like stereotypes. And I'm like, I'm just not interested in that. You know, like, I don't like those kind of things. Or if I hung out with, like, you know, like, the white girls or, you know, like, the white group of friends, it'd be like, well, you're friends with them, but you don't even, like, act like them or you don't dress like them. And I'm like, I don't have to. I shouldn't have to. Like, I should just be able to, like, hang out with whoever I wanted. And I did jump around when I was in middle school. You know, like jumping between like friend mm -hmm. groups because it's like you don't really have a place to fit in because everyone's questioning you on why you don't act a certain way or why you don't dress a certain way. For me, it's more of like a, a dress. I always got questioned on why I dress, like the way I dress. And I'm like, I just wear the clothes I like, honestly. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't feel like I need to dress a certain way because, you know, my father's black and my mother's white. I just look at a piece of clothing. I'm like, I like that. I want to wear that. I definitely agree with that. So it's like cultural. Yeah. standards of dress yes right, yes that people accept and they expect you to fall into one of those yeah. you know lines. they expect us to pick either being white yeah. or they expect us to pick being black it's like you can't be just like a normal person yeah you have to fall because we're not like specifically one race so we mm -hmm. can't be like you know you know like white people or black people they can be you know like the like black rabbit like quote-unquote black rabbit like a outlander you know like yeah. different than everyone else but if you're like mixed it's like People since you're understand. mixed you have to pick a side like, yeah. you have to either be like you know like this like little white preppy girl stereotype where you have to be like a quote-unquote ghetto black girl like the only thing is when you're biracial and you choose not to you know go with one side people throw it in your face with like well aren't you on our side or yeah. like you know like you're half white but that doesn't mean you can't like support like us black people like it's like stuff like that yeah like they throw the fact that you're half white in your face as if you're racist or something it's like i'm not racist or i'm not prejudiced i just those things don't interest me and i shouldn't have to pick a side because i am mixed my you're kind of leaning into what my actually my next question was going to be or next i was i was going to ask you like is how deep is the pressure to choose the pressure to choose a side pressure to choose a race at given times 
how deep does that go and how, how does it affect you when it happens? Um, I, I feel like it's kind of like almost in every situation of my life, really. Like, um, for me, I visited both sides of my family, even though I live with my mom, I still went and visited my dad sometimes. And it's almost as if it was like a switch was meant to like flip in me and I'm supposed to like merge into that specific like race group and like act the way that everybody else is acting. So it was just kind of like, like, I just had so many conflicts, like internal conflicts, like, why don't I look like everyone else? I just want to look like everyone else. Like, it was just really uncomfortable for me. And I felt like I had to like even if I was interested in certain things or like stuff that I felt like, okay, well maybe that's like too black for them. Like maybe I should just like tone down like how I am and like kind of act like everybody else is. And like, if I'm not interested in something, I should act like I'm interested in it because I wanted to fit in so badly, mm-hmm. even with family. If we went to go hang out with somebody and it's like everyone in the room is black. I also felt uncomfortable cause I'm like, now I'm too white. And I'm like, I don't know what, what to say or what to do. Or if I don't want to eat something, like, is that like disrespectful or does that make them uncomfortable? Or like, I just, I just was super nervous. And I mean, I just feel like I had to also flip a switch. And then like when I was younger, I was mostly focused on fitting in with everyone in the room who was white. But as of today, like, I feel like I'm kind of more myself. Mm. So you don't want to eat them greens, huh? I love greens. No, no, it's just like specific things. You put the pressure on you to eat everything on that plate. So, Phoenix, do you feel pressure to choose from uh, not only your friends and family, but just society in general? Or where does your pressure come from, I guess, the pressure to choose? Um, It mainly came in, like, middle school when, like, I never really had pressure to choose until I got to middle school because I never really, you know, sided with a specific side because I grew up with, like, my mom's side of the family, which was white, and I always knew, like, I was different, and I always knew, like, you know, they are racist, like, openly, like, racist and stuff like that, and I always, like, knew, but um, I never really, like, was like them, you know, like, dress-wise, like, action-wise, just any type like that. We never really were similar, so I knew, like, I was different in that sense, but um, in middle school, like, when kids would ask me, like, you know, like, why don't you dress like these, like, this certain group of kids or, like, this certain group of kids, you know? It was kind of like, well, I don't know. I'm just not interested in it, you know, like how I said before. So it wasn't really until like middle school when I had pressure to like pick a side, but I kind of like just ignored it, you know. Like I would like kind of change. I would kind of change the way I dressed, or I would like think about it and like look at different stuff to like interest me. But it never really clicked, so I kind of just ignored it and like did my own thing. So. When I'm talking about pressure to choose, right, I'm, I'm asking you guys about friends and family and people that you uh, that you know. But if I'm looking, if I'm uh, take the example of like 2020, where the country had a, uh, a racial reckoning, basically, and there's a, I know you both personally, and I know that both of you had extreme emotions about things that were going on, uh, discrimination and and um, uh, basic racism towards towards black people. And you both have a lot to say about that. You've had a lot to say about it over time. Um, so when you're in those type of situations and people are looking at you, maybe sideways sometimes, 
And, and Phoenix, you told me how, how uh, people question you and they know way less than you about what's going on. Um, I want to know what that kind of stress is like or that stress of like 2020 when it was really like the country was super divided and you're like in the middle, but you're not in the middle. Like you're not in the middle because mm-hmm. now the country, it's not friends and family choosing the country chooses for you. When you walk out into society, the country chooses for you, don't it? Am I wrong when I say that? Yeah, you're right. Can you repeat what you said, though? I basically said, that, like, when you walk outside, you know, there's the country, this country, it chooses for you. Yeah. You yeah, know, like, okay. you don't get to pick, you know, you can't, <laughs> you know what <laughs> So, so yeah. talk about that and talk about how, what, what it's like, first of all, to, um, what it was like for you in that in the in the 2020 when things were getting really bad racially and uh and then talk about if you can what it's like when you go outside and it's not about friends and family trying to force you to choose it's the choice has been made um honestly i think even though i face so many like microaggressions and people being like you know kind of like just weird about like my race i kind of um like when that whole thing hit it was kind of like a realization for me like like there's no like like in between like there's it was just kind of like a i don't want to say smack in the face in the face because it's not about me but i just felt like it was just like immense like pressure and then all of a sudden like everything that i that was kind of like gray lines became white and black like super easily like i lost friends like i stopped talking to people i got in like huge arguments and like debates with people about it and like just everyone's true opinions and like how they felt like came to light and i wasn't ready for it like it just like i think it like really made me like upset and like i definitely cried about it like a lot of nights and like I would have to like have really long conversations with like my mom or like, you know, just like call people who I was still able to like uh, talk to and like, like be close with after the whole thing. But it's, it almost makes me uncomfortable to talk about because it's like something that like, definitely like, like I was just so comfortable in my gray that like when everything became black and white, it was just like, like, oh, like this is happening. Like, like the people that I, yeah, like it's just like immense, like, pressure and then I was like I've been hanging out like I lost my best friend of like I don't even know how many years but we basically like grew up together and it almost makes me like super emotional because it's like I felt like I had known this person like my entire life and then to have her say things that you know degraded like who my family is like as a you know race or whatever it not whatever but like it's I don't know it just definitely like it made me see like people don't agree with like, you know, even like your family's life or like people's or, you know, black people's and people of color, like their life should matter because politics are more important than that. Like it was, it was just like, you definitely saw like people's ideals and opinions and how their parents or like grandparents have impacted like what they believe in, even though you're with this person, like, you know, every day for the last five years or whatever, you know? It became, differences became very clear. Yes. Like, it's like you, you know, although you may get along with somebody, you may know somebody or even love somebody, your experiences are extremely different. And when someone says something, it might not have an effect on them. Them directly, but it has a digging in you. Yes. And you're like, your, your mindset is, well, if you love me 
and you know this bothers me. Yeah. How could it not bother you? Definitely. I mean, is that yeah. what you're saying? Yeah, you put it in with? you put it into better words than I did. I just feel like a lot of people like their experiences and what they grew up having is different from what other people has have or didn't have, and that's based off of like you know money or like you know where you stand in the social class system, and then even race, which was what we're talking about mostly here. But like, I just definitely felt like it was very obvious that like the way that you're brought up and like what you've experienced definitely divides you. And then like some people will favor politics over like the Black Lives Matter movement and like what that was trying to push and stuff like that. So it was that was definitely like drawn. Like that was the line. You feel like people get more comfortable saying things in your presence that are offensive because of your biracial, you know, uh, because you're because you're biracial. So somebody will say something that they may not otherwise say in the presence of, you know, what they consider monoracial black people. I would say yes, but knowing that like everyone knows. Like, I openly say my opinions in state, like, online, like, in school. Like, everyone knows how I feel about those type of situations. So, like, I would say yes because, you know, I mean, it has happened. People that don't know me, they say something, and I'm like, what did you just say? Or, like, at work, coworkers that are new, like, they don't know me, they'll say something or even say the N-word, and I have to, like, go on a whole rant and, like, tell them to their face, like, that's not okay, and, like, you know, break it all down. So I would say yes, but, like, because it is true, like it has happened, but it's like less broken because I am so open about people know, my opinions. People around you know who you are. Yeah, so. they know like how I stand about things. So but they, I know you, Phoenix. You have, you get conflict, and this is where I would never, I would never understand. <clears throat> you get conflict from both sides of the street. Yeah, because I've had like issues with, like you know, white people saying like. You know, white people just don't agree. Like, no, I've never had a white person tell me, like, oh, you should be, like, on our side. Because at the end of the day, like, if someone that's truly racist, they see that I'm biracial, they're gonna, they're not going to care that I'm half white. They're going to see me for that half black, no matter, like, what percentage right white is in me. That's just how they're going to see me. Like, that's how it was, like, in slavery. Like, they didn't care, like, if you're half white, like, if you're any type of black, that they, they're racist towards you. Regardless and, of the fact that your primary caregiver, the person you go home to, is a white woman. They don't care. They do not care. And they never will because my grandparents, literally racist, like openly racist, do not like black people. They tell me they love me. So, you know, like you had like the slap in the face. Like I kind of grew up with it just because I knew like, oh, my grandparents like, but it makes me question. It's like you love me, but you advocate and you say things that like that, like that hurt me, you know, things that go against like me as a human being, me as like my skin color. You know, just stuff like that. So I've always had that question, but I mean, I don't really like, yeah. I mean, obviously I love my grandparents because they're my grandparents. Like that's no question about it. But like, if it, like if they weren't my grandparents, of course I would have no like affiliation with them. I would not, you know, love them. Like it's only like a, I only love them because, you know, like mm. grandparents. But, but, but that's the question about both sides. But I do have, you know, black people tell me like, oh, you're like half white. Like, you can't speak on this issue. This isn't your problem. Mm. They tell me, like, that's not my own problem. And I'm like, yes, I understand. Or I guess I, like, there are privileges that come with, you know, being biracial. People, some people do look at you and put you on a hierarchy because you're biracial because, you know, like beauty standards, stuff like that. Like, people love African features or like, but they love it on like Eurocentric women or lighter toned women. Even in like movies, like, They'll cast like a dark male actor, but then they'll cast, you know, like a lighter toned black woman. Like that's always how it's been. They want like, you know, like 
the stereotypical like black features, but on a lighter tone woman because you know the hatred and the colorism. So yeah, that's privilege, but it's like if you know that that is a thing, like obviously you're not going to take that. And if you're genuinely like a biracial person that's educated, you're not going to want to be with someone that puts you in that hierarchy just because you're a lighter tone. Like that doesn't make me happy. If anything, that makes me mad. Yeah. It's like, why are you looking at me for that? You should be looking at me for like who I am. Like, of course you can look at my appearance. Like that's obviously a thing in like relationships, but my skin color should not be like your main focus when you look at my appearance. I was going to hit that privilege thing later, but since you touched right. on it, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, um, as a follow-up on that when you hear you know that kind of stuff like you're talking to you know you like me because i'm a mixed baby and people are always talking about like you hear stuff on you know social media or tv or wherever it's like i want mixed babies it's everywhere. disgusting everywhere, everywhere. that's so it's gross. actually that's, disgusting. that's like really disgusting it's so gross it's like literally just fetishization like you're just fetishizing like black features on a lighter tone child like it's like if you're going to be, like, you can't be racist and then want what black people have. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. I feel like it's almost like, I, I, I don't know how to, like, group this, but I feel like it's almost like we want, we want everything that, like, as the black community has, like, your features wise, like, well, oh, we'll make fun of big noses, but, like, if it's on my light-skinned baby and she has, like, a, you know, like, a little nose, but then, you know, dark brown eyes, and then she has really nice curly hair that's really big, like, Oh no, we'll praise that. Like we'll love that. But like, you know, since your child's like dark skin and they have a big nose, like we don't really like that. So it's like we'll take the bits and pieces that we like from your culture and then put it on a different baby and then it looks better on them. So like we'll just praise that child, but not where it comes from. So it's like almost it's really frustrating for me and I feel almost a little bit uncomfortable talking about it because I feel like um like as a biracial child, like we should have somebody else in the conversation who is, you know, dark skin or even just a little bit darker tone, like brown skin or like just a person who grew up with like maybe both black parents to have their perspective on it as well, because it doesn't really impact us as much because we're what society like praises and wants yeah. being light skin. But I feel like it's, it's but really- even that comes with its own set of stressors. Yes. You know what I mean? So it's like, you should be, I want you to be comfortable talking about your own set of pressure your own set of stress because it because what people don't understand is that there is a unique set of stressors that come with growing up biracial in this country it is a issue that shouldn't be disregarded because of the privilege that comes with it which you know there is some privileges that come with it but there's a lot of stress and pressure that come with growing up biracial as well you know and this is just for me talking to both of y'all and you know other friends of mine i've never had to deal with it but i hear about it and i listen to it so and i don't believe at all in anybody minimizing their own uh traumas to make someone else feel comfortable and it sounds like you may have experienced that in your lifetime where you have to minimize your own traumas about being biracial your own experience about being biracial to make everybody else in the room comfortable we do because every time like you try to voice your like voice the type of opinion to someone they or like it matter if they're white or black like they counteract it with like something about like oh well like if you're like what about other black people you know like it's like it's like i'm not something i'm like trying to put them down or say that their issues aren't like worse than mine or not or even equivalent it's like yeah. this is my issue that's not what i'm talking about and they always want to change the topic to like you know just like people that are fully black issues and it's like 
yes, that is a thing. Like we obviously know that like, we're not dumb. Like we know that like those are issues. But it's like that's not what the conversation's about right now. Mm-hmm. They always want to switch it, or like even if they're white, like people I've like to talk to like white about this, they'll be like, well, what about or what about this? And it's like that's not what I'm talking about. Like, they literally just want to change the conversation because it's like this isn't talked about. Because every time it is talked about, people get offended. And it's not that we're trying to, like, I mean, I I think you can agree. Like, we're not trying to, like, be like, oh, well, we have our own issues, too. But it's yeah. like, we do. Like, yeah. and if we should talk about it because we are, like, a part of the Black community at the end of the day. Yeah. And if we're going to come as one, we need to take account of everyone's issues. We can't just focus on people that are just Black. Yeah. And I think what you're talking about, I struggle with a lot because I feel like, because I'm so lighter toned that, like, you know, people who are darker than me, like, obviously, they face a lot worse than, like, what we do mostly as biracial, um, uh, what, biracial women, I guess, but, um, like, I just struggle, I mean, racism-wise, yeah, like, I just have, like, an internal, like, conflict, because I just feel like my, like, ideas and, like, what I face isn't as bad as darker-toned women and men that I shouldn't, like, if, if we're all sitting at a table, they should be the people to speak first and speak longer. Like, that's just how I feel. So it kind of makes me uncomfortable. But like what Phoenix is saying, I definitely feel like our like what we go through and what we face is different from everybody else. But we're still a part of that community and yeah. we need to be able to talk about it as well. But it almost makes me feel like just a bit uncomfortable because I just feel like they should be able to talk first. Like, you know, their their voice at the table should be brought to light first because if you're facing the severity of it i just i don't know it just yeah so what i'm hearing you say is there's a um a certain level of almost guilt that comes with being biracial in the presence of those who are not biracial because you feel as though their their uh circumstances present Um, harder yes yeah than than yours but you also kind of feel disregarded because just you know you you do have circumstances that's the conflict that yeah, yeah. That's, that's exactly the because conflict. i should be able to have this conversation with other black people and they should like want to listen because you know we're in the community together but certain like you know certain people will like disregard it because they're like well you don't even have it as work but bad as me or you know like yeah you don't hear things about like this like at a b and c if it's like but i hear it about like d c and e like it's like different things like yeah i'm getting i'm just getting different hate than you are the hate we get is is different it's let me talk about something that is unique to you know as uh as as a black man i obviously experience racism but rarely do i have to experience it from within my own family structure a lot of a lot of biracial people have said that they almost i don't know a single biracial person that hasn't said to me that there are members of their own family, their own bloodline that are in fact racist. That is something unique to biracial people. I I don't have members of my family that present racism to me. Um, so when you think about that, can does that provide any any level of kind of okay, well, acknowledgement? To know that this this situation is a little bit there's some unique things and unique stressors in our in our upbringing that other people can't say that they experience. I think I'm just now like making a connection that's different between like Phoenix and I. Like I had a well, I have a black aunt and a black mom, and like those were 
people to me like for predominantly the family that I lived with was mostly black. So I think that's why and you're I, female. Yeah, black so female. So you're a black female and the people you can look to is your black mom, your black aunt. Yeah, and I think Phoenix is different for me in the way that she has like a white mom and a black dad, so we're kind of reversed on that. But like even going back to like the ideas that we talked about where I kind of feel like the more dark-toned women deserve to like have a, a higher seat at the table when we're having discussions like this. I think that mostly comes from like, you know, like how I was brought up in like family and watching my mom face racism and coming home and like I think one of my most vivid memories of her like coming home crying because a white man at the store was like reaching for his gun and like acting like my mom was going to do something but she was like super upset about it and it's um like it's almost like i see that more darker tone women are going through like what i feel like is more than what i am Mm -hmm. and it makes me want to like shut up and just like listen to like what they have going on but then i think phoenix also brings a really good perspective to this because it's like having like you know white family members and you said that your grandparents are openly racist and stuff like that i think for her to like you know like we're important too and like we deserve a seat at the table is something that me and her need to find like a medium in because i should want to voice like how i feel because i'm also black i'm also a part of that community so i should have a seat at the table and something to say as well but i've always pushed myself into like the back perspective of that like yes i do face stuff but like you know, everyone else needs to speak first and should have more to say than I do. So I'm kind of like degrading what I what I need to say and saying that my stuff isn't as important. That makes sense. Um, so what I'm hearing you say is you have had less experience defending your black side than Phoenix has. Yes. So Phoenix, who, you know, you also a female and your mom is amazing, <laughs> but you look to your mother and there's, there's not, that's what you kind of, uh, it's a little different, you know, like, cause she has had totally different experiences from you. So there's things that she obviously can't tell you, yeah. you know, even though she as amazing as she is, there's things that, that, you know, you can't tell. Yeah. Um, that's probably like my biggest, my biggest issue with like having my mother was just like, Believing that like me and myself is like 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 being biracial that like I'm like a pretty girl pretty much because you know I think that like most girls like when they look at their mothers they like look up to their moms like oh my mom's pretty I don't look like mom but it's like well I can't look like mom yeah like um I like my hair doesn't look like mom so I started straightening my hair like probably like second grade like, I straightened my hair like every day like since second grade like I've never taken care of avoiding it avoiding your curly hair avoiding it pretty much like mm-hmm. stuff like that and then. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I had it pretty easy. Everyone, I, I'm pretty like everyone thinks I'm Hispanic. So, I mean, I obviously have had like racist encounters, but I do think I've had like it kind of easier than other biracial people because I am so like up in the air. Like people really have no clue. I'm like a Hawaiian. I get literally every race. Like people genuinely don't know. But the biggest thing would be like, or like being like my hair. That'd probably be the biggest thing. And even like I have my, I had my dad in my life, and even he didn't really you know like step in and help either because I had this conversation with him a while ago because he always asked like why I strain my hair I even still strain my hair sometimes because it's like you know I grew up like that it's like kind of hard to get away from that like Mm -hmm. straight hair is like prettier or in my head like that's what I'm trying to like get away from because you want to like mom yeah it's just like growing up or like I would always buy like white Barbie dolls and it would make my dad mad but it'd make my dad mad but then he wouldn't sit down and explain to me that black is beautiful Mm-hmm. Or he wouldn't show me like black woman, because like you know you're 
I'm not going to look at my dad and be like, I want to look like dad. I'm, I'm a girl, you know, yeah, like right. I want to be beautiful. Right. And my dad's manly. I don't want to be like, you know, like dad, like or anything. Like, I want to look like mom. Like mom has straight, thin hair. Like mom has white skin. Like that is beautiful to me because that's my mom. You know, every I feel like most girls idealize their mothers for like their perception of beauty. Right. And I did that. And they didn't like stop me or show me like other like, you know, they didn't like give me another option or they didn't give me someone to look up to so i was always my mom so it was like a conflict because i was like well am i pretty because i don't look like my mom and people think mom's pretty you know i didn't know anyone in my life that looked like me that was pretty so in result you think you're ugly i mean i grew up yeah and i still have that like in the back of my head yeah so like that's kind of like and it's not and it's only because like you said you look to your mom who looks a certain way and you can never possibly look like yeah. that because y'all are, are two different races yeah i want to ask you because you know your mom is black but also very beautiful mm-hmm. so it's like when you hear what phoenix is talking about yeah i think and you obviously your mom is beautiful and you obviously can't exactly look like her either yes i think it's really interesting to hear from her perspective with a white mother but then also like taking into account that i had a black mother like I mean, I still had some of the similar features like curly hair and stuff like that, but then it's like my curl pattern wasn't as tight as my mom's. And then like, I would see like her Afro and I'm like, okay, well, my curls can't exactly do that. Like I can have my hair down and curly, but even when I was looser, like I had these three C big, like Goldilocks ring curls and my curl pattern has changed since, but it was like, I had quote unquote white girl curls. So it was like, and especially when I was a baby, because my my skin color was white, so it was just kind of like a white girl with like curly hair is what I essentially looked and a like. Big ass head, but go ahead. <laughs> we did not have to go there. Continue, please. Uh, but like, I just like like Phoenix said, like I I idolized my mom and I wanted to look like her, and I was like, my skin's not as well when I was younger. My skin's not as dark as her, and like I want to have like this nice, like really pretty curly hair, like my mom does, but my hair is like big rings of curls but then as I've grown up it's like I kind of still look like my mom but then at the same time like in the same sense like because it was so pushed in society that like light skins are like supposed to like you know look a, a specific way and like we like they were favored for some reason I don't I still don't understand the the favoritism towards light skin women and men stuff like that but like then even just with like outside pressure from like friends and stuff like that, I still would even straighten my hair like Phoenix said, because I just wanted to blend with everyone just by having an African-American mom as a role model. So like when I was younger, I really wanted to mirror my mom. And then I kind of let like outside things draw me into like looking more white. And like, I would just want to straighten my hair and look like everybody else. And then I'd go home and mom wouldn't really like say anything to me because she took her took care of my hair and stuff like that still but I still wanted to mirror what everybody else looked like on the outside despite having an African-American mom so so potentially you trying to straighten your hair and look different from your mom could possibly cause conflict that you don't even know about yeah I think so because you know she wants to be your hero obviously and that is your hero but you're also having different stressors in, 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 in society that are making you, you know, that are kind of pushing your, pushing your image yeah. like a tug of war almost, you know, uh, this, this is a lot. I mean, um, these, uh, the idea of beauty, you know, when we're talking about 
So let me go back for a second because you guys are both experiencing things it's that like are reversed. Yeah. Yeah, it's really because weird to look at. Your push is like straightening hair. My push was keeping it natural. People tell me all the time, like, oh, your curl hair is better. But it's like, yeah, but I don't know how to take care of it. I don't know how to. That was a I don't thing. know how to. Like, my curls don't look good. Like, I, I've killed them. Like, my hair's dead. Like, yeah. I don't know, like, how to style curly hair. Like, I don't right. know how to do those kind of things. Like, no one ever showed me. Right. So, it's like, we just get, we get, like, the same pressure. It's just reversed. That's all. I yeah. think that's the only thing with that. Over, as you guys, as you developed, you know, your young people uh, still, but at one point, you know, when you guys are sort of experiencing some of these things, you're, you know, 10, 11, 12 years old. Does any of this stuff change over time? The, like, as you get older, does like all the things that kind of uh, have shaped you guys' cognitive development uh, about your race and your appearance, does it change over time? I think definitely. Like, when I was younger, it was always like, your hair looks so much better straight and like, like it's so much longer. Like, you should just wear it straight. Like, it looks so pretty on you. It looks so good on you. Like, just wear your hair straight. So then I would always wear my hair straight and like, you know, push for that. But then as I got older, it was like this, you know, like fetishizing light skinned women. And then all of a sudden, like my curly hair was in. So then I would wear my hair curly more often, like in an up and down style, even though I didn't really like to have it that way, because it's more difficult to style your hair curly than it is to have straight hair and just kind of flip your hair and walk out the door. Mm-hmm. Um, but like the what society wanted kind of had a shift between middle school and high school. So then I started kind of doing the opposite, but I feel like almost in that I found like a newly defined love for myself and what I had already had because I would straighten my hair like for years. And like, if my hair was curly, it was going up in a bun, like a really, really tight bun where like you couldn't see like really any curls. Like I'd pull, pull, pull like two front pieces down in the front, but that was like it for me. But then when the flips, when the, like what society wanted flipped and I went to high school it was like okay now I'm wearing my curly hair out this is what people like but then it was also kind of weird because they would like fetishize light-skinned women and I'd have like a whole bunch of random boys who didn't even know me be like oh my god like you're so cute and smart like I definitely like the names of some of these boys (laughs) like I definitely want to like you know get to know you or whatever and I'm like I don't you don't know anything about me and it definitely came from like older boys so it was like again do you have any names no okay so it's just i don't know it's weird because it just feels like what society wants of us is constantly changing and for me personally i don't know if this is true for phoenix but like i would kind of like fulfill what society wanted of me to fit in with that group thankfully i don't now but it's definitely something that i had to a process that i had to work through you know, whenever, because, like, growing up, when I was straight my hair, too, but then when it flipped, it's like, well, your hair curly, like, that's better, we like that, but the only thing is with that, like, I got more of, like, uh, I don't know, like, people would be, like, I'm trying to think of how to word it, people would be, like, yes, I, I love curly hair, I love light-skinned women, like, oh, my gosh, they're so beautiful, but black girls, uh-uh, that's what they would say. Yes. Like, they would say that all the time. And, I mean, I kind of already knew that, like, color is another thing. Because this happened, like, this started happening in, like, eighth grade when I started, like, realizing, like, people, like, kind of only like me because, you know, Definitely. I'm light-skinned. But, like, I'm, like, a token at this point because, you know, social media wasn't any better about it. Like, I don't know if you remember, like, 
you know, like Vine and stuff like that. Like there mm-hmm. were viral like vines like about being about like oh I'm light skinned girl or boy. Like it was like a phenomenon during yeah. like 2016, 2017, like being light skinned. And I feel like it still was, is. It is for sure. But it was like I think that was like its peak for sure. Like that was like at its height. Mm-hmm. And it was like a phenomenon to be light skinned. So that's you were literally like a prize. And if someone got you, like they're like, Oh, I'm with a light skin girl or I'm with a light skin. Yeah. You know, like, oh I pulled a light skin, you know, stuff like that. So it's like some people that, you know, say they liked me or so called me pretty only called me pretty because that's what they were seeing online. They don't actually think I'm pretty. They just know that that's what everyone wants right now. I definitely feel So that's that. another thing. It's like, you don't even like me. You, I'm surprised. Like I'm being put on a pedestal and now you want me. You know what I mean? So it's that kind of thing. I'm hearing both of you say your agreement on this. Sometimes it's really people are wanting to be in your space just because light skin is a trend. Yes, yeah. it's a trend, and that's all they want from yeah. you. Wow. Is that, uh, I mean, how does that, how do you process that? Like, it's like you... dehumanizing. Yes. Anything. It's very Definitely. dehumanizing because it's like, they don't, they won't even have anything in common with me. They won't even like have the same opinions as me, interests, nothing. It's just to have you on their shoulder, I feel like. Exactly. It's like, wear like uh, an accessory to them yeah that's all they want us as is they just want to like look at us and see us and show us off to other people and be like why bad this light skin so yeah shut up but that's really all it is yeah. especially as a uh, females i think as like women i think it might be a little bit different for men because for men i think i'm saying i think i don't actually yeah, know maybe, i'm not a male you should wait to see Oh, okay. Maybe that's another episode. Okay. You know, and, well, I just think, I feel like men yeah. have a, I think. They might have a different perspective. They have a different too. perspective. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel know. like it might be similar, but it's definitely different. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I do want to know from a male perspective, and I'm, I'm going to get those answers. Um, but I, I do want to make sure that um, everybody's understanding that you all have a voice. You have uh, something that you're experiencing, like, again, that is unique. You know, it almost you can't even almost talk to every single uh, biracial person and relate because almost it's very, you know, it varies. I mean, there's so many different, you know, variations of biracial people in this world. And, you know, you might have somebody black and Mexican, Mexican and white, and their experiences are not the same as yours. Yeah, You know what I mean? So it's like that that difficulty connecting you know is th- something that you know even research shows like is there's 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 difficulty connecting for biracial people because of something like that do you feel and it, and it it spills until like not even uh a racial thing but it spills into your everyday relationships um possibly do you experience that difficulty connecting with people sometimes yeah, just because people don't understand, like, where I'm coming from. Like, if I were to open up to, like, certain people about these type of things and how I feel about it, they don't understand. Like, I can obviously, like, you know, run to my mom, run to my dad, tell them these things, but they don't understand. Like, they're trying to empathize or trying to understand, trying to relate, but they can't. Mm. So it's – and it's like my mom can only – my mom's a white woman, so she really has, like, no idea. But then it's like if I talk to my dad about it, it's also like – my dad does kind of put like a shame a bit on it, like, oh well, you're like only biracial, 
you know, like your lighter tone, stuff mm-hmm. like that. There is a bit of like guilt that goes hand in hand because it's like when you talk to certain people about it, they're going to guilt you for being half white. Undermine your struggle. Exactly. It's like, well, you don't even have it as bad because you're half white. Or they talk about the privileges we do have, but the privileges we have, we don't even want because they're disgusting. They're color. It's colorist privileges. We don't want that. Like we don't, like I don't praise that. I don't accept that. It's disgusting. Like that does not make me happy. It disgusts me. Mm -hmm. So it's like the privileges I have aren't even good privileges. You know what I mean? So it's mm-hmm. like, they're literally disgusting. And they they're, they're not, they don't come from good intentions, it's bad intentions. So. You touched on something that also I, I, I discovered when I was doing research that, you know, um, studies show that most biracial people report that growing up, their parents more than, more than not don't understand some of the struggles. And that's not a knock against your parents. So, but I do want to kind of touch on the, for those out there listening, maybe some young people out there listening that have thoughts and this is impacting them. And I want you guys to be able to touch on what it's like, the struggle that it it can be sometimes to, uh, with your parents who don't necessarily understand exactly what you're going through because of your, uh, because of your biracial upbringing. Basically, what I'm talking about, you know, parents don't understand. Your parents don't understand. Like research shows your parents don't understand yeah. because it's very unique. You know, it's almost impossible to expect them to understand. But it's still, these are your parents. These are the people you look to for understanding and they don't understand. So I just kind of want to talk about if you feel comfortable, what is that like? It's very frustrating and it's like very upsetting because it's like, the two people that you're like taught to go to can't help you. And it's like, if they can't help you, it makes you feel like you're isolated and no one can help you because like even seeking like other resources, like from other, like, you know, if I were to go to like a family member from the white community, they're not going to understand. If I were to go to a family from the black community, they're also not going to understand. So it's like, I, I, I mean, obviously I know people that are like me, but my cousins, even my cousins, like they like they were kind of raised by my grandparents, so they're kind of racist. They're not like me. Like mm-hmm. we have different beliefs, we have different opinions, and we have different. You know, we also like you know they grew up with just their white mother. They mm-hmm. didn't even grow up with their father. Mm-hmm. So they are no representation. Yeah, no representation. So like they're already different from me. Like all mm-hmm. these variables make it different. So it's kind of hard to find someone that grew up like me and is like me. So it's like, it kind of feels like no one can really like relate to you because the closest person would be you, Mm -hmm. but even you and I have our differences and there's things that, you know, but you're probably like the closest person I have been able to relate to, even though we have so many differences because we are on the same page for the most part, but even then, like, we still have like different viewpoints on things. um, To answer the question for me personally, the indifference made me more susceptible to like, isolating myself like I mean the person I ran to the most was my mom because I just felt like my dad didn't understand nor really even try to understand or like care about it but like because my mom was already so indifferent from me I just kind of like this is a you thing like no one else understands it and I just automatically in that like um in that sense I just isolated myself and I was like this is a you problem like if you're gonna have issues with it like I think that's why I kind of have problems talking today 
because it's like I just automatically isolated myself and I didn't really see that many other light skinned people at school or I wasn't friends with them or I didn't even know other light skinned people. So it was just white, black, Hispanic, a whole bunch of other races. Like it was just me, it felt like. And I didn't really know how to talk about it, bring that conversation up. I just didn't talk about it. So, I mean, I didn't, I don't know. I just saw the indifference and automatically I was just like, it's just you. Like, sorry about it. Did either of you know that um, like ex- exclusion, isolation are like byproducts of being biracial? Like that's part of the deal. Did you know? Did you even know that? I did not know that. Yeah, I, like I said, I, I read a lot of things before because I, I, I definitely don't like coming here and talking about stuff I don't know about, but I kind of want to, you know, know something when yeah. I come in the room. So I just read things. And I'm like, that's part of the deal. Like, it's part of your makeup to do exactly what you said, to isolate and exclude yourself because um, the indifference and then there's the pressure from different communities. You're not black enough to be over here or, you know, too white to be over, you know, too white to be over here or, Mm -hmm. you know, you're not white enough to be over here or you're definitely too black to be over here, you know? So what does that, what does that bring? It brings exclusion and isolation but and then when I asked earlier, what I was trying to get at was, does that ever and you can you know pass if you want to, but does that ever bleed into just like your regular everyday relationships, your friendships, your you know boyfriends? Uh, <laughs> that was so angry. <laughs> <laughs> He's angry. Or you know your attempt to connect with people. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm going to say from, from, from an outside perspective, as I'm asking a question, I'm thinking about the both of you and both of you have issues connecting. Uh, it's the truth. Yeah. Okay. It's the truth. Yeah. But just the way that you said it, it's like <laughs> offensive. You know, it's just kind of like we're used to people like not understanding. So it's kind of, I've kind of, like personally, I've been so used to people not understanding or not like willing to listen or not even like liking what I hear or like not liking what I have to say. I just got used to like not opening up in general or just like keeping certain things to myself because right. it's like if I say this, I, you're going to ask me this question, I'm going to tell you, but you're not even going to like my answer. So there's no point in even answering it. I definitely agree. And I feel like I've kind of oftentimes like maybe that's where this all kind of like started and that structure or that mindset started in me. But like I oftentimes shut myself up and then it's like no one else is going to understand what I have to say. No one wants to listen to what I have to say. There's other people whose opinions and their thoughts and what they're going through is more important than me. And then I kind of like internalize everything. And then when it has to do with another person or like people that I love, like if my mom's going through something, if my aunt's going through something, if my uncle's going through something, I just internalize their problems. And and I don't necessarily like communicate how I'm feeling to everyone because I feel like it's not important. But at the same time, I'm just silent about it like I've really struggled trying to like have a voice in like owning my feelings and how I feel about particular subjects even that don't even have to do with race like it's just been like really difficult for me to like open up and talk about those things because I haven't talked like a lot of my life you said period um that's very enlightening for you you know I feel like you're like in the moment having some sort of breakthrough um, yeah because i just didn't realize that until we just like sat down and talked about it like all these factors play into how i currently interact with people i mean so far in this in this pod you know 
You know, we're talking about isolation, how you isolate yourself, talking about difficulty connecting. We're talking about the shame sometimes of being biracial. Like you're ashamed of it to the point where you're uh, defending other people's stance against you. Like you jump on the other side and defend other people's stance against you. Like I understand why you, yeah. you know, because, you know, you're, you're darker than me. So you probably got, you know, more problems than I do. Yeah. You know, um, so hearing yourself, I just kind of want to want to talk about or process some of the things that, you know, as you're sitting here hearing yourself, what is going through your mind um, and how are you feeling right now? Um, I think it just kind of goes back to like, like the realization thing. Like I didn't really like understand, like I knew that I kind of self self isolate and like on a different scale that's kind of veering off from this topic. Like I have other problems that derive from like childhood and stuff like that, but I didn't really take it away in a sense from like this kind of comes from me being like biracial. Like I just didn't, I knew that was a factor that played into my life that made me feel a specific way, but I didn't think it went as far as like isolation until the words kind of came out of my mouth. And I'm like, I've isolated myself from people because they don't understand because I'm different from everybody else. I don't look like my mom exactly. I don't look like my dad exactly. Like, I just don't look like anybody that I know. So. Sounds like both of you experienced something that's basically called uh, like a racial imposter because, you know, you you kind of people have taken your your own right to identify in a way like society, family members, friends, culture have kind of robbed you of your right to identify with who you are. And it's like at some point you're going to have to and I would hope for the both of you to take control of that and maybe find healing in the fact that you are it's okay to be exactly who you are like that's it's unique um there's there's no hits against i mean there's it is what it is like you didn't choose this you didn't choose it for yourself but you don't get to identify it with it either and that's not fair you understand what i'm saying yeah like it's not fair but I hope my hope is that you find peace and like, okay, I am not an imposter. I am not pretending to be whiter than whatever. I'm not pretending to be blacker over here. I am exactly who I am in every single space, you know, and that's just it. Yeah. I think like for me personally, like that's what you're saying is exactly what I went through while, while I was younger. But like, as of today, I've kind of accepted like, you know what, if I want to, straighten my hair or color my hair or dye my hair like that's a me choice that's not me trying to like it was at one point but for me it's like I'm doing what makes me feel comfortable if I feel like I want to wear my hair curly one day and straighten it the next day like that's that's what I want to do but like it's definitely something that I had to like work through like it was a process of me like wanting to fit in with this group now this group no I don't match them so I gotta fit in with them but I don't I definitely don't tone down my blackness and I definitely don't tone up my blackness in situations. So I feel like I've kind of accepted like who I am and like I stopped changing myself to fulfill what society tells me I need to fulfill. But it's been a struggle for years and it's something that I'm still continuing to work out of even though I feel like I'm mostly out of 
like those, what society wants of me. How much time do you think you spent in your life justifying your existence? Like, like you said. Okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> time, honestly, right, ever since right. I had a conscience. Justifying the way you want to wear your hair, justifying the clothes that you wear. It's still you know? a thing that you kind of have to like, because I still think about it sometimes when I shred my hair, like, am I just trying to like, you know, yeah. It's like a but back thought. Everything you yeah. do to your appearance is a, is a it's thought a, process. It's a thought because mm-hmm. we're so like, I don't know. Yeah. And it it's question It does boil down. Like a lot of it is you're thinking everything you do, you think about race and every appearance thing you you put together or? Maybe not everything. I've definitely yeah. stopped thinking about race with the clothes I wear. I've given up on that. People ask me or people tell me I dress like but a white girl or yeah, people still to this day would be like, well, I can't really, I don't really like you because, you know, you dress like a white girl, but you're mixed. I'm like, I wear the clothes I like. Yeah. So, but for me personally, it probably still, the only thing that I probably do is like the hair. And like, yeah, the hair is the biggest hair thing. and probably how I do like my makeup and stuff like that. That kind of stuff. Hair, clothes, features, which you can't do anything about, yeah, right? Yeah, I can't even change those. Uh, what about uh, music? Oh, yes. Oh, oh my gosh. Hit some get very like people definitely like hate or not hate but like criticize me for just the music i listen to mm-hmm. like i like alternative music but people like poop on me because i like alternative music they're like why don't you you know like, there's this like a stereotype that like black people only listen to rap music or only like you know, r&p gospel R&B, soul music stuff like, like that it's like what's well, just music you're supposed to listen to music that you like like if i like alternative music that doesn't make me like quote unquote white or like white or black person it just means i like alternative music so going back to what you said earlier if you're like a monoracial black person you listen to alternative music you're just a black person that listens to that type of music but for you it's there's a lot more that goes into someone watching you oh look at her over there being half white yes my dad my dad <laughs> does that like my dad has made comments if i'm on ox in the car and i play an alternative song he's like Oh, there's white people music right here. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, just listen to it. Is it a good song or not? It's a good song. <laughs> like, came me wrong. These white people are killing it right now. Like, they're, like, they're playing that guitar. Like, they're going ham. They did it. But it's like, but then if I put on, you know, like a stereotypical, like, I don't know, like, I don't know, like, a, I mean, like a rap song. Mm-hmm. You're like, well, what is this? I'm like, well, what do you want from you me? Like, you don't like either one. Like, you don't like anything. Temptations. Exactly. He wants you to listen to the temptations. Exactly. I don't know. Oh God! Oh, sorry, <laughs> sorry. Okay. Blame um, him, not me. But um, <laughs> what did she, she say? Said, blame him, not me. No. Go ahead, uh, anonymous. Yeah. <laughs> anonymous. <laughs> Go ahead, anonymous person. Um, I don't know. I just feel like, like I have such a variety of music that I listen to. But even still, like, this is still one of the things that I've kind of had to work through. Depending on who I'm with, I just, like, you want to, you want to, like, plug your phone. Because it's, like, like, really, I don't know if I play, like, the music that I listen to on a daily, like, basis or, like, like, I have such a variety of different, like, songs and music and I don't want to, like, you know, I don't want to play my... Yeah, like you, you ride around with a wide variety of cultures. So it's like I don't know. It's like for me, the conversation of music, like music, is very. I feel like I'm. I music has kind of been like fulfilling in a sense of like it just kind of gives me like peace just listening to it by myself. But then also in the same sense, like when I'm with another person or if that person is not like super close to me, 
then it's really hard to like I just be like if if you're in my car I'm like yeah you can you can play what you want to play but mm-hmm. like it's I don't know I just don't like to I felt almost uncomfortable like trying to decide like which genre of music do I pick or like stuff like that because I do think there's like stereotypes in, yes and it's that something goes, that like, I avoid people like stereotype like genres of music with races yeah mm-hmm. it doesn't make sense because it's like to me, I just think it's music. Mm-hmm. And I know, like, you know, music does have culture to it and there's backgrounds, but that doesn't mean that people that made the music and, like, where it came from means it has to stay there. Yeah. Like, music, like, you know, spreads, especially nowadays with, like, social media, Apple Music, Spotify. People can access any kind of music they want. So why is there still, like, an association between race and a genre of music? I don't yeah. understand. And depending on who you're with, like, if you were to play, like, like certain music, like in a car with a group of people, they're going to be like, yo, what are you listening to? Like, aren't you black? Like, aren't yeah. you like, are like, oh, this is so like, if you're listening to like, say you're like a bunch of white people in the car or like anybody that's just not like POC, uh, white people. Um, and you play like a rap song, they could be like, oh, this is so, you know, ghetto or something like that. Like, yeah. There's no winning. And it's like, music is supposed to be like a thing you enjoy, but when it comes down to like a social setting, music can get it's like stress. It's very stressful. Yeah. It becomes a stressful, a you stressful thing. The word ghetto is already triggering for me, you know, as it is. So I'm wondering if y'all, because y'all have to it's, maneuver in all yeah. these different. Yeah. It's it's very hard to navigate because sometimes, like, um, I do think people associate the word ghetto with, you know, black culture, yeah. and they do. Yeah. And so depending on, like, the conversation, if I were to say, like, the word ghetto, some people will take me saying ghetto and think I'm using it against black people because I am not white. Mm-hmm. But then if I were to speak about, um, like, issues with a black person and say, like, oh, like, this is, like, a stereotypical, like, ghetto thing to do because it's associated with it, you know what I mean? They'd be like, um, they're like, you don't know what you're talking about. Or, like, you know, it's just like that. Huh? You know, it's like... It's not that I'm trying to, I'm not trying to put like the word ghetto on the black community. What I'm trying to do is inform people that like certain types of people do associate that word with black people and they associate, associate it with certain things. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, but. It's like frustrating because like for me my whole life, like growing up and being mostly in white settings, especially in classrooms when I was younger, I always wanted to avoid that word because I was always the blackest person in the room and I'm only six. So it was just like, I just wanted to avoid, like, like, like I need to, like, everybody else, I need to inform, like, I'm going to be loud, I'm going to be like, I be quiet, like, if I, like, I had, like, a really vocal and I was super talkative, but I always made sure that I was, like, you know, not doing things that would get me caught up or being caught up in the ghetto and, like, you're being, you're being, like, really black or something like that. And also, and also in the same sense, sense like, in social settings, like, settings, like, like I've, been, I've been around, around uh, uh, my, 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 my younger, younger siblings, siblings, and I've had, I've had older, older, you know, white people make comments that are, like, my brothers and siblings, as if as being being ghetto, like, getting too loud or loud or really in social settings. And it's something that I, like, enough stand up, like, really bothers me. I don't want, I don't want to tell you this it's put in sports on my friends, friends, and my younger siblings, and you know, not even, not even out of the school, but they're just beginning. So it's, so it's definitely like, like I feel like, like my professions are generally even, like mostly, mostly where ghetto is something, but I'm, I'm trying to avoid people. I don't want to fit this, a social, like a, I don't want to fit that, that stereotype, but then at the same time, it's like something that I feel like I need to defend. Even though it's not forcibly mostly on me, it's on darker toned people. It just, it's really hard to navigate, like Phoenix said. Yeah, because 
like bouncing off that like people question like oh why don't you act like this you don't act black yeah but what do you mean by act black you know what i mean like some people associate you know acting black with acting ghetto yes and there's some you know like i've had conversations i'm saying like speaking with like younger black people so i do think that they i do think some younger black people think that they have to act quote unquote ghetto to be black yeah exactly i'm like you don't have to do that and it's like and i thought but if i were to voice that opinion it's like you're not even full black you don't know what you're talking about but it's like that's not that's not the point what i'm saying is like you're following this stereotype because you think that's what being black is when that's not what being black is yeah even i can relate to that i mean that's something i wrote in my blog like when I was younger, I was, you know, was we considered a nerd because I was intelligent. You know what I mean? I didn't, you know, I, I didn't talk. I talked with a certain vernacular and it was like, I will find myself. And I didn't sag my pants. I remember specifically my, my first day of freshman year of high school, I was listening to these girls around, back behind me talk about, you know, how they hate to see guys with pants all around their waist. And I'm like in my seat trying to, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm, I'm serious, but that's the pressure that I felt. Like, yeah. I, I, like a lot so i do i do relate yeah. to that it's just whenever you know if i were if I, if I try talking about topics I, like this people would just disregard what i have to say what even listen because you're half white yes i definitely agree with that it's like they don't even want to listen it's, because we're half white yeah it's really difficult um i don't know if this is important or not but like i feel like a lot of things that make people or black people quote unquote ghetto are also like inrooted in like our history like what you had to say about sagging i recently found out and i can do more research on it so don't like quote me or anything but like sagging originates from like basically um white slave owners would take the unruly like i I don't want to say dark horse but it's like the whatever the more degrading word for horses of a man and if he was trying to like escape or he wasn't doing his job correctly they would pull down his pants and brutally rape the man and then they would take off his belt so while you're you know on the plantation or whatever you're sagging your pants to let everyone know that, that you've been broken in so I think a lot of these things that, like, in 21st century make, um, um, what was I going to say, like, that make um, Black people ghetto are things that originate from our, like, history that are that have been, like, you know, like, slavery and, like, all these things that we've had to, like, you know, no. build up from. But it's also in the same sense, like, it's, like, I, I feel like the line between, like, reclaiming culture and then, like, what's ghetto and stuff like that are also, like, very gray for me well like y'all said earlier about you know the features and all like one of the 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 main export that american culture i mean american has is black culture yeah they just it's like the number one it's like the number one export it's it's what we have you know what i mean so because people want black they want to be black but without without the problems without the hate um and this is heavy because it's 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 like both of you have been right under my nose for a very long period of time and even i didn't know you know and i you know you know i am i force you to talk and you i didn't know a lot of this stuff that y'all are sharing right now so this is really enlightening to me i want to know and i'm I'm about to wrap up soon but i want to know a couple more things first i want to know about uh how you feel about representation in the media like tv movies how do you feel like biracial representation in the media holds up i think it holds up because but not in the way i think we would want it to be <laughs> it's held up you watch color. mixish um i, I, I watched a few episodes of it but i, but I, I think i think 
we're kind of leaning in towards like more biracial representation that's positive. Mm-hmm. Although like what me and Phoenix were talking about earlier, it's like mostly fetishization and it's like, like color as well. In the in the media you see like for darker tone women, um, um, at least when you're looking at it in a positive light, like these women with these be- big, beautiful afros and like, you know, getting into their culture and like, you know, why are we disrespecting? Because, you know, darker tone black women are the most oppressed people in our country. So I think like even looking at, the, like if you see the stuff in the media that's positive about them, it's like completely different than what's positive for, you know, biracial women. Because it's like, you know, she's got these, this really long, like beautiful curly hair and like, it's like more less like what I mean for the the eye of the person who's fetishizing. It. What I mean when I ask that is, do you feel like t- their TV and, and and movies that are doing any type of job or any good job at all of documenting or representing your experience? Not that I. That's what I mean by representation. Oh, okay. Like, yeah. I mean, sure, there's plenty of mixed people yeah. on TV, but yeah. I mean, like, is anybody really talking about? Even with the show Mixedish, I watched every episode of that show, and I feel like there's a lot of things they are talking about that they had an opportunity to. Yeah, I think represent this is like a, I don't know if they did. I think this type of conversation is like scared to have because we're scared to communicate with like the black community because of the guilt, and a lot of people, I think a lot, a decent amount of people in the black community are don't want to listen. They're like because they don't think our problems. From your experience. Yeah, from my experience, mm. people in the black community don't want to listen to what I have to say. They disregard what I have to say because I'm not, quote unquote, as black as them, or I'm because I'm not as dark as them. And that's yeah. your best chance of acceptance. Exactly. It is right. because this white community is not. They're not going to accept me. I mean, yeah, yeah. there's like white people that be my friend and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, like if you put a racist in front of me, they're only going to see me for the black, like the half black that I am. Yeah. And it's like if. You know, so I can't even like go to the white side for the most part. And it's like if I were to go to the black community in my experience, I get shut down. I get disregarded because they don't understand. It's not that I'm expecting them to understand. I'm just trying to get them to, you know, sympathize and understand that, like, you know, being half white has its struggles too. Like, you're hating on me because I'm half white. Is that not a struggle? Like, I have nowhere else to run. Yeah. I think to answer your question, that's kind of what I was trying to go with. Like, for. Like in the media, I feel like the show Mixish because I did watch a couple episodes of it. It represents it well, but there's not so many of those. Like, I feel like for you know darker tone women, we finally come out with like movies and stuff like that that shows what it's like to be them, but not as much for us. Like when I watched Mixish, I was like, oh, like this is cool. Like I've never really seen this before, but I haven't really seen other things like that since. And maybe I'm just not exposing myself to it, but I just feel like it wasn't really something that I've like grew up watching or learning about or can like even now like am able to watch and see what it's like for you know other people or even see that representation like it's just really not there it didn't hold your attention though huh huh it didn't hold your attention you said you only watched a couple episodes well you know i'm busy i got school and education and stuff to do but plus also criminal minds was really good and i can't i was to say because i've seen you binge a few things criminal minds i can't get off of it i can't get off of it criminal minds and then you was to get with murder. You was binging stuff. So I can't. I can't get off of those things though. Like it's really hard for me. So Mixus didn't things. draw you like that though. It didn't. It didn't make you want to binge that. Isn't Mixus on cable? It's on Hulu. Know. It's on Hulu. Yeah, I, I just stick to my mm-hmm. Netflix stuff. Netflix and Crunchyroll. All right. So before you know, a couple things um, before we finish up. Do y'all have any uh, since listening to each other and knowing each other? Do y'all have any questions to each other about? Personal experiences, um, you don't have to force anything out if you don't, 
but I just wanted to give you the opportunity to do that. Um, I think she talked about it earlier, but I kind of like more or less wondered like growing up or even morely now, how do you think like having a white mother has impacted you versus having a black one? Like we talked about hair and stuff like that, but I just like really wonder because I've always had somebody who had, you know, a similar hair texture to me kind of helped me figure out like how to do yeah. it. So when I was younger, I really just didn't know what to do with my hair, honestly. Like, I would just leave it, like, you know, like, really, like, um, tangled, or I could straighten it. Because I didn't know how to, because if I would brush it, it would get poofy. You know, I didn't know how to, like, she didn't give me, like, the correct, like, hairstyling tools either. Like, I would be using, like, a brush and stuff like that. And she would just put, like, leave-in conditioner in my hair, and it would be, like, you know, like, not made for curly hair. So I was never, like, on the right path. So every time I would, like try to do my hair like it would never look good so I was like well I can just straighten it you know you just stuff like, like somebody that's like was I don't want to say forced on you but do you think your mom like pushed for you to to have straight hair so it was like easier to deal with I don't think she pushed it I just don't think she like knew like yeah. I genuinely don't think she like thought it out I don't think she like thought it out mm-hmm. like because I was like I asked from like a young age I always liked having my hair straight and it was easier to do it was easier for her to do so it was kind of like a win-win situation, yeah, you know? just trying to figure it out together. Like, figure it out together, sense. and we were, like, straightening it works. She can do it. She can put my hair in pigtails, you know, like, braid it. Like, she can braid it if it's straight. If she can't braid it, if it's curly. Just stuff like that. And, like, you know, I just – I mean, I can't really expect – I mean, obviously, like, I kind of expected her to, but – I mean, now I do, but I can't really expect her to, you know, like – like know those kind of things like she doesn't have yeah. curly hair no one in her family has curly hair like her hair is her hair is like paper thin straight like it's very thin too mm-hmm. so like she has no struggle doing her hair you know it doesn't look bad she can like leave it however so i mean i mean she i kind of wish she would have educated herself but at the end of the day it's like well she didn't really know mm-hmm. so do you feel like in any way like that makes us different that like me having a black mom and you having a white one like do you notice any differences in us um the difference, you did talk about your mom, like, coming home after, like, you know, racist encounters. Mm-hmm. I didn't have that. So, like, whenever I was younger, um, we were taught, like, racism in school. I thought racism was in the past when I was younger. We're talking probably, like, first, second grade. Mm-hmm. I didn't know racism was, like, still a thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And my parents never really sat me down and, like, talked about it with me. Like, I didn't really get the talk until Trayvon Martin. And even then, I still didn't – it didn't really click for me. Like, I knew, but I didn't really – didn't really know because they'd never like seen it like in my face in person. Like I had had, you know, like kids when I was younger tell me like I had like just like one encounter. This girl wouldn't play with me on the playground because she told me I was too dark. Mm. But I'm thinking in my head, I'm too dark. Like I just tan more than you. Like I'm outside, I probably play outside more than you. Mm-hmm. I'm not thinking, oh, my dad's black. That's why I'm darker. You know what I mean? So yeah. like I knew like race was a thing, but it never really crossed my mind until I got older. Yeah, that's I would agree too. like. I still, like, even though my mom didn't really, like, you know, force it on me from a young age of, like, what she was experiencing. Yeah. But I got to a certain age, like, in my preteens and teens where she would tell me that stuff. But I don't think it really was until the entire country noticed that I also noticed my indifference. And then I'm like, wow, like, wait a second. Like, this has a lot of stuff that, like, plays into it. And then, like, I had to, like, there was, like, a whole process of maturing. And I had to mature to realize, like, hey, all that stuff that my mom was telling me when I was younger Oh, okay, that's what all of this mean. And that's like, I was able to put the pieces together, but only yeah. after like people were literally getting killed. Like, I yeah. just didn't understand it. Yeah. yeah. You got really, really emotional during that time. Like, you became like consumed and obsessed with the consumption of 
everything race. Like you just were taking it all in and it was like, yeah, lot. it was, it's almost frustrating for me because like, I think even talking to some of my friends, they were like, oh yeah, like I've had people be racist to me. I'm like, I like, at my first job, I've had somebody say like, hey, is it better than slavery? Like, like asked me straight up when I was 15. But like, until like, previous to that, like when I was 13, 14, 12, 11, like I never had a racist encounter. I've never had somebody say anything like derogatory or like offensive to me before that had to do with my race. So I was like, really i don't know it was just kind of upsetting for me because it's like all these people like growing up they've had people like say things about them about being like darker skin like having darker skin than i do and i've never really like faced this until like i was 15 16 and now about to be 17 like it's just like it was something that's really frustrating for me so then once i found out about it i just consumed myself and i wanted to know everything about it because i just felt so uneducated and i was like what i don't understand anything that's going on with everything that we've talked about and the things that I've kind of discovered in this journey, you know, because both of you mean so much to me. And I'm like, you know, like I said, it's really kind of, it's heavy to hear that, that y'all have experienced these. And then to know that just on the strength of you being biracial, you are more susceptible to mental health problems and, and, and things like that. I mean, not to say that that's happening to y'all, but people of you, you know, people who have these same experiences, like research is showing that you're most susceptible yeah, I didn't know to these type of things. And uh, because of their, because of your, you know, because your experiences are so unique, you know, and it's like, you can't, it's like, it's even, like I said earlier, unique amongst other biracial people. Like it's, so it's like, like you said, Phoenix, it's like, where do you go? You know, yeah, where do you go? The, the, who, where do you run to if somebody's going to understand? And I guess my next question is, what how do you cope you know and you know because it's a, or has it just become kind of just like a way of life or do you think that there is some need to seek further healing and understanding of the things that you've gone through it's definitely just like a, become a part of life for me but i definitely do need to you know like come to terms with some of the things that have happened and like how i was raised because i do still have you know like certain like feelings about things that have happened and you know yeah. stuff like that but for like day to day now it's kind of just like a day of like normal day yeah you know what I, mean? I definitely agree it's become like a way of life and it's something that when you're younger you don't really understand it then as you get older you kind of understand it and now I feel like I'm you know I've been emerged so much into it I like understand it and it's something that I've kind of had to accept being biracial but I definitely think that further healing needs to be seeked it, sought out after and I feel like I need to have conversations with people who are mixed and you know like Phoenix and I are doing right now like we need to have these conversations to like as individuals like be able to like grow from this because it's it's something that's like definitely impacted my entire life that I never really like realized until I was older Maybe this pod will get enough people that to that want to start a support group or join a support group that the two of you start. You never know. Uh, everything you know is that you try to teach. You know anybody who has uh, who allows me to influence their lives. You know purpose is everything. That's how you continue to you know how you live, how you stay up. So you never know. Maybe maybe who knows? You start a support group for you know, biracial people, and that's part of your own healing and part of your own coping. Uh, um, the last thing I'm going to say is if you could write 
the last thing I ask, if you could write like a little handbook or have a little conversation or make a little video to the, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten year old version of yourself about the things that you're going to experience or the things that you need to know, what are some of the things that you might say to them or what's the most important things that, you know, you feel like because sometimes you say too much, you get lost in the sauce, especially to a young person. But what is some like the key things you think you would say? I'd probably go, I'd probably say like, you know, like you are like beautiful, you know, like you don't have to like straighten your hair. You don't have to do these certain things. Like you don't have to change your appearance to like look like, you know, your mom or look like anyone like you yourself, like are just like, you know, beautiful. You know? I, I'd definitely say something like along the lines of that too. Like when I was younger, I just didn't really feel that. And then like it was fetishized for being light skin. So then I felt like it was like wrong and it was like disgusting. and It was kind of weird. And then I think another thing that I'd probably add on there is like, you know, don't really worry about like fitting in so much, like just yeah. kind of grow up, like allow yourself to be who you are, hang out with who you want to hang out with, dress how you want to dress, listen to what you want to listen to, do your hair how you want to do it. But because I was so, always so worried about it that I just feel like I didn't enjoy my childhood to the fullest extent that I could have because I was just so worried about fitting in. So I definitely write something along the lines of that. Yeah. You basically to tell her, don't worry so much about fitting in. Yeah. Yeah. You're enough. Yeah. You're enough. That's that's kind of the message I want. If you know if, if I know for a fact there's gonna be younger, you know, biracial girls or boys, you know. But I mean if you're speaking to the girls, younger biracial girls listening that kind of maybe need to hear that message. You don't you're enough. You know you, you, you you, you can be who you are and not feel any kind of way about it, you know. Like um, your interest shouldn't have a race label on it. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I think that's it. I just, there's only one thing I just bothered me this whole time, you know, looking at both of you as younger kids and children, you know, I've seen pictures. Is a big ass head a byproduct of biracial? Yes. <laughs> I guess so. Wait, I guess I so. Headband Phoenix, Wait, like Loki, because we both had headband babies. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was like a yeah. forehead thing. Yes. That was like a forehead thing. Yeah, a forehead thing, but that's well, Loki miss her. Bring her back. Hard up. Yeah, Loki headband Phoenix. <laughs> you were, you were like, like Phoenix. That was like oh. your best version. No, it wasn't. Come back. Talking when you're Phoenix. It was tough. It was tough. Bro, the, you had a tan line. I did have a tan line. But I was kind of proud when you took the headband off. But I was just wondering about them. Yeah, she went crazy on Instagram when she took that headband off, boy. Yeah, no, no. What are you talking about? <laughs> All right. So, you heard it here. You're biracial. You most likely were born with a big-ass head. <laughs> All right. That'll be all. Thank you both for taking the time to share this um, with the people. Um, I really feel like you both said some things that are going to be impactful. Uh, it's for those who going through things like this with yet to go through things like this those who are raising people that are going through things like this and i and i just want you to know that you've done something today that matters so i hope you're proud of uh, the conversation you had i thought it was great all right all peace peace and love are you still recording where do you have it everybody I hope you gained some understanding. I know I did. There's a lot of things that went on in the midst of this interview 
that were news to me despite knowing both of these young ladies for a very long time. Imagine going through a lifelong denial of your own reality and invalidation of your own culture. Taking away your ability to self-identify who you are. Being forced in a way to identify with one culture over another despite having the heritage and the history and the blood of more than one culture inside of you. Many people have talked about it, not just these two. In my, in my preparation for this episode, I, I read so many things and heard so many things of uh, different experiences. Naima Osaka, Sweetie, J. Cole, Mariah Carey, Barack Obama. All reported some of the things talked about in this episode. It was all right there in front of us for many years. But this one got personal. It got personal for me. I know there's somebody in your life that it's personal for too. Being aware of those little microaggressions. You're so exotic looking. That's not a positive thing. Invalidating somebody's experience because you believe they have privilege. And even if there is a certain level of privilege that comes with it. Invalidating the experience of another person is flat out wrong. And that's not how we should be. So again, I hope that you became a little more aware. I hope that you became a little more empathetic. I hope that there's dialogue or conversations that can get started. And in this small corner of the world, I hope we made something better for somebody out there. Thank you for listening. I really, really appreciate it.